0: future. We're talking real money.
1: Welcome to Talking Real Money, special episode this time. I'm Tom Cock. Don McDonald has the day off for the first time, I think, since the earth cooled, so good for him. And special guest today to talk about an incredibly important topic that I think many of us don't pay close enough attention to, even though it makes up a large part of your retirement, and that is Social Security. And we've got some great questions. I've got my own questions, and we're really happy to have the Director of Financial Planning from Appella Capital, Jason Gentile, join us here on Talking Real Money. Thanks for uh, for being part of the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. It I'm is my forward, absolute Tom. pleasure because this, I tell you what, this is always the big question around Social Security because when I meet with people, they say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter because I'm not going to get my money anyway. And I guess the magic year now is 2034 or something like 2034, that, which is cl- closing in on us. Um, are people still going to get a Social Security benefit after 2034, or should I just plan on ending my retirement at that point?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it is a pretty common question, even before how to claim. Um, yeah, Social Security is going to be around. Uh, at this point, we ca- we tend to kick the can down the road, right, on, on legislation to save it for the long term, and uh, we put some small band-aids on it. Right now, it's a payroll-based system, right? It's kind of pay-as-you-go, and there's enough benefits in there to cover retirees to 2034. And then, without doing anything, there's going to be a pretty significant reduction in benefits. There's a lot of easy ways to, to fix it, right? Increase the wage base from 142 or whatever it is upwards. Uh, the payroll tax, we each pay 6.2% employee-employers. And certainly we can increase retirement age, right? Uh, the system was never designed to support 30-year time horizons in retirement. So there's a lot of easy fixes. Um, when they actually happen, I don't know. Um, but no, the, the system will still be around uh, for you to collect your benefits in the that, future. Thank goodness. Thank, I keep telling the young people, get back to
1: work because I'm going to need you to be paying in so I can get my money out. Um, you know, and of course, looking at Congress today, my guess is that they won't do it until about 2034. But that's a whole other thing. Whole other segment, we don't want to spend any time about that <laughs> speculation. Uh, but but when you look at Social Security as someone who is intimately involved in financial planning, what, what do you think the biggest misconception about it is ter- for me personally?
2: Yeah. Um, the, you know, kind of the biggest mistake people make is claiming too early, right? They think that they're not going to live a very long time, right? They don't think about average life expectancies. They think, you know, I want to get it while it's still there because it might not be there. I might not be around a long time. So they claim early and, you know, those mistakes actually cost them quite a bit of money, right? So if you claim at 62 rather than your full retirement age, you're basically throwing away 25%, which doesn't sound like a lot maybe to some people, but it's pretty significant, especially when you put on compounding, right? Those cost of living adjustments on top of it, you know, the bigger the number, the larger the compounding impact. So, um, Misjudging our own life expectancies, I think, is a is a big mistake. Not just in social security, right? Um, because it's not a decision you should make on an island anyway. It should be part of a comprehensive financial plan. But we we generally, people in general, misjudge how long they're going to live. And this is a lifetime guaranteed income stream with cost of living adjustments based into it. Hard to find something else that's going to support you like that over a long period of time. So um, it's
1: still a large, I think, is it like a third of people that still claim it at like 62? It's a huge number. It's
2: a a huge number. There was a trend um, to where we saw more people delaying in general, not taking at 62, but creeping up towards full retirement age on average. Um, but in periods like we saw last year, and really in general, any recession, I know the market bounced back pretty quickly, but in periods like COVID, where there's uncertainty economically or lots of layoffs or job loss, you see huge spikes in claiming, right? And that is an issue uh, for a lot of people that they have no choice but to claim, right? Because loss of revenue, loss of income. Um, but for others, it becomes kind of a uh, an expedited, uh, there's not going to be any money in the system. I need to hurry up and claim my benefit. And most likely for most people, it's the wrong decision.
1: And look, just as a rule of thumb, I mean, because if you wait until at least full retirement age, which I think is tragic for people that don't at least wait until then. Um, in my case, I think it's 66 years and 10 months, mm-hmm. which is a long time from now. No, it's not <laughs> from now. I wish it was longer. But um, what how long do they have to live after that? As a rule of thumb, where the lines will cross and it will have made sense to wait until at least full retirement age to take their benefit. Is there a, a number? Is it 10 years, 12 years? How long do you gotta hang on yeah. to make it all work out?
2: So if you're just looking at social security, right, that age crossover point, what most people do is they look at a single life crossover point. And for you know, for someone like me, if I'm claiming it's sixty two, sixty-seven versus seventy. Really, for me, the, the it's about mid-70s, 77, 78 years old. Um, the, if I live past that, delaying actually makes a hell of a lot more sense. What the bigger issue is is when there's a spouse involved, right? When you it actually really complicates things when you put two people's time horizons in there, right? So delaying that Social Security benefit for the you know the larger earner of the two, um, delaying that benefit is not only um, going to support two lifetimes where statistically speaking, it's almost a coin flip that one spouse lives to age ninety. And, you know, upwards of 20% chance that one of them lives to 95. So it's not just getting the most bang for your buck. It's almost a form of insurance for the surviving spouse, whoever lives the longest. So, you know, I think people misjudge it and base it on a single life expectancy crossover point instead of actually looking at it. Uh, you know, once again, in a holistic financial plan,
1: and and again, the joke at my house is that I, if I if I wait, then I'm making sure my wife and her boyfriend have plenty of money when I'm <laughs> gone.
2: Anyway, that's a whole. I'm, sh- sh- yeah. I'm sure he'll do just fine. He'll be, be all right.
1: <laughs> we're talking with Jason Gentile. He's the director of financial planning at Appella Capital. Uh, here on a special edition of Talking Real Money, we're talking that absolutely important thing that most people don't spend enough time thinking about, and that is. Social Security, claiming strategy, how to claim I mean all these issues that sort of keep coming up. And so I guess what you're telling us is the biggest mistake probably is not claiming at the right time, not looking at the situation carefully enough.
2: Yeah, and, and you know that's part of the larger issue that most people don't have a comprehensive financial plan, right? So I would encourage all of your listeners to reach out to you guys and, and get a full US comp- guys. Uh, We're uh, all yeah. in this together, yeah. man. A full comprehensive we, financial plan. I mean, it's a decision that is often made on an island. But I mean, let's face it; it's it's a pretty big decision that we just make a decision kind of based on a rule of thumb or what our neighbor did, or you know, a, a misjudgment about our own financial resources or age, uh, and life expectancy. So.
1: And people have a tendency to think, "I don't want to start drawing on my other assets. I'll mm-hmm. take Social Security," not realizing that Social Security basically increases at about eight percent a year, which From what we know about investing, it's hard for people to make 8% a (laughs) year. They sort of forget that part of the formula.
2: Yeah. And the fact that there's an inflation adjustment on it, right? There's not too many uh, other places where you're going to get that inflation or cost of living adjustment on top of an 8% delayed increase as well. So um, don't make the decision on an island. Make it as part of a comprehensive financial plan. I think that's great advice. Well,
1: we we have a number of questions here. We get a lot of questions to Talking Real Money. And thank you for sending those. You can go to our website, TalkingRealMoney.com and send them in. So this one comes from Mike and he says, I have a question pertaining to Social Security and spousal benefit, which you just mentioned, Jason. Here are the facts. I'm 60. My wife is 55. He plans on filing at 70. Okay, so he's waiting for the the most. His benefit uh, will be about $4,000. His wife is estimated at 891 at full retirement age. My understanding is she's eligible for 50% of my benefit at 67 correct me if I'm wrong. Is that right? Half of it at 60, but he, he would have to have filed. Right he, yeah. Before. He would
2: have to have filed and she would have to be her own full retirement age to get an unreduced spousal benefit. Yeah.
1: So it just sort of fills the gap between what she would have and what half of his would be basically.
2: Essentially. Yeah. If you're, if your benefit as a spouse is less than 50%, the spousal kind of kick in, we'll bring it up to that level. But exactly. and she
1: can she file early and then take half of his at 67 or not?
2: So she can file early, as early as sixty-two, um, and she would get his spousal benefit or a spousal add-on as soon as he files. Really, there's no benefit in delaying. You actually, so a spousal benefit can't ever get above fifty percent, like uh, like your own benefit uh, past full retirement age can go up eight percent annually. That's not the case with spousal benefits. So, if he if she claims at sixty-two uh, and he claimed at seventy. Uh, I'm trying to do the age math in my head. Yeah, it's a five-year difference, But basically, um, she would get that automatically added on to her own reduced benefit to kind of fill that up. Now, it'll never get to 50%. Because, because she, she claimed early sixty two, she
1: has to wait till the full retirement age to make sure she gets the fifty percent of his benefit.
2: Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it'll probably be closer to forty two percent of that. But I mean, in this particular case, and I don't know if you, I think there was a bit more to that. But I mean, in, there was. Yeah. So I'll let you. I'll let you finish. No, I'm I? not going to. You finish it. <laughs> These um,
1: things get so wound up sometimes. I think, good lord. Anyway, so
2: yeah, I, you know, I think when you start to look at it, the math really has to be done to say, okay, well, is my is there any real benefit in me delaying? Am I ever going to get to a point where my own benefit is higher than 50% of my spouse's benefit? If that's not the case, the math doesn't really work out, right? Delaying actually makes less sense uh, to do that. So in this particular case, um, her claiming early and then him claiming at 70, sounds like he's the larger earner of the two. That always makes sense financially to do that. Um, That way, if he you know, predeceases her at some point in the future, which is statistically probable, uh, she would step into that benefit, um, which would be largely increased.
1: Or takes the large, whichever one's larger. Yep.
2: Can't keep both, but yes. Well, that would
1: be a nice, nice deal, but not going (laughs) to happen. Okay. That's great. So let's take another one here from Heather. She said, can you please advise me about my expected social security payments? I'm 54, divorced for four years after 29 years of marriage. I understand I'm entitled to half of my ex-husband's social security benefits as long as I do not remarry. I believe that part, she's correct about that.
2: So she far is. Right yeah, now. she's correct about that.
1: Okay. Question is my increased benefit depends on his social security contributions. Will the will the age at which he starts collecting social security affect my potential benefit? It will not, correct?
2: It's interesting, right? Because there, it's kind of a loaded question. So in general, if you're just talking about how he claims right? In in the impact to her, it doesn't really matter. If he claims at 62, 67, 70 years old, it doesn't impact her benefit. Her benefit is going to be based on his primary insurance amount, the full retirement amount that he would get at his full retirement age. Kind of in that question, and I don't know if it was her intent or whatever, um, but if he's a younger guy and potentially would be retiring early, say 55 or 60, and he doesn't have 35 years of earnings, He's going to get zeros in He's there. He's going to get zeros in there which yeah. will drag down his actual benefit. Um, so you know in you know in general when you're getting that social security statement it's an estimate Really, you don't know what you're going to get until age sixty two, um, and that's when it becomes a little bit more official. But
1: even then, but what she's really asking is if he keeps working and adding to that benefit, will it increase it'll increase a little bit, but they look at the thirty five year period, right? so
2: it'll yeah, so it'll increase or potentially decrease, right? right. if he, If he retires at fifty five instead of sixty five that's ten zeros in there, and they tend to be our higher earning years towards the back end of our career. So based on how he claims no impact to her based on how he earns could be an impact to so her. So
1: encourage him to keep working.
2: Yes. My wife absolutely. always
1: encourages me. Yeah. To keep I
2: working. mean, as long as they were married for, for 10 years, divorced for two and he's 62, she can claim based on his benefit. Doesn't matter. And if she does get remarried, um, that the divorced benefit will go away and you'll kind of right. be able to step into a, a spousal benefit at that point. But, um, in that case, um, the claiming age doesn't impact her. I know at all.
1: someone who had four marriages of at least 10 years each.
2: Uh yeah, and so. I was
1: like, dude, you are costing the system a lot of money. That's you know? the but that's anyway. the Johnny
2: Carson syndrome <laughs> exactly right there. So. Yeah, yeah, wow,
1: <laughs> good for them. All right, here's another one from Elizabeth who says, "I'm a 72 year old female. Listen to Talking Real Money program. I believe one of the commentators said you would know, have a guest come by Social Security. So here's my question: I get Social Security, I get under four hundred dollars a month, and out of this is taken my Medicare payment. I, so I actually get less than three hundred deposited in my checking account every month." So my Medicare payments go up each year. I'm afraid that I will run out of Social Security money to pay my Medicare. If sometime in the future I don't have enough Social Security monthly payment to pay the Medicare payment, what do I do?
2: I've yeah. never heard
1: of this. That's a very unusual circumstance.
2: It is It is pretty unusual, but there's uh, there's actually – so Social Security and Medicare, they technically go up every year, right? There's some years where you don't get a cost-of-living adjustment on Social I think Security.
1: year for Social Security is like 5 It's over 5%, 5% uh,
2: percent, yeah, which – Big boost. Uh, it's not – it's not great news because that means there's a lot of inflation oh, going yeah, on, that's but right. <laughs> that's correct. prices um, have gone up. But, you know, so if we're, if we're getting on average 2%, and Social Security inflation is, is kind of calculated differently than the way Medicare is, Medicare is outpacing that from a cost of living adjustment and in, in inflation standpoint. So, on average, about 22 for Social Security, on average, north of 5% for, for Medicare. But in the code, there's actually something called the hold harmless provision for Social Security uh, recipients, which says if I get a 2% increase and Medicare goes up 5%, my Medicare premiums can't go up more than that 2%. Ah, I didn't know that.
1: Okay, good.
2: The challenge here is that it only applies to to the Medicare Part B premiums. So your Part D, right, your prescription coverage can continue to go up. Now, that's the smaller of the Mm -hmm. numbers. So in her case... There's probably going to be some slight chipping away over the years as Medicare will likely continue to outpace uh, the cost of adjustments for Social Security. The fact that it would, or, or the probability it ever gets to zero, I don't know that that's going to happen. But like she's right, it's probably going to chip away. On the other side of that coin, if if there was no Social Security to support it, she would still be eligible for Medicare and could just pay premiums. And this happens a lot with. People who want to delay Social Security but go on Medicare, right? They'll just get invoiced, they'll have a premium sent, and you kind of pay it out of your own pocket. So um, her concern about not being eligible for Medicare anymore is not true. Like, she has nothing to worry about there. If she has resources to pay for it in another way, she absolutely can do that. So um, the hold harmless provision, I think, will be um, uh, in her favor here to not completely erode her Social Security benefit over the rest of her life.
1: Hey, you're going to be coming out – to Bellevue to talk about Social Security at Retire Me 2022, which I think is February 26th. What are you going to be telling people? i put putting you on the spot. I didn't
2: tell them I'd say this. What are you going to be telling people then? Oh, the great. Don't
1: worry, be happy. I mean, what are we going to say? Uh,
2: yeah, well, boy, that implies that I've already begun working on the presentation. Uh, then, that, okay, yes. then you're yeah. off the hook. Then. Yeah, no, I am. I'm greatly looking forward to it, though, uh, to being in front of a room of people. Last year was a lot of fun virtually, but yeah, it was uh, I'm, weird, I'm, I'm, but yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was fun though. But I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, being on the stage with all you guys and uh, being able to do. It in front of a live audience. So It'll be look, fun. Yeah.
1: Um, and and how do you keep track? Of, I mean, there, there's so many complex. First of all, one thing I think you mentioned early on. What we should emphasize is, and I think it's anytime after 50 that you should have a financial plan that that puts all this in the software because the software will tell you. Look, if you claim here, here's how it all ends up. There, we, we don't know the claiming and withdrawal strategy till you're dead because officially we don't know how <laughs> long you got. Right? And yeah. The only, so, but, but in a sense, I think anybody should have a plan because it really does help them understand the ramifications of those things. Um, but how do you keep track of all these changes? It seems like Social Security always seems to have some new new program or change. I mean, they got rid of the spouse claiming first a few years ago. I mean, all this stuff. So you just sitting around reading at night instead of watching sports or what are you doing?
2: Yeah, isn't that what everybody does? <laughs> so, I, guess so. I sit and read the tax code <laughs> and I uh, sit and read Social Security and Medicare rules. Um, yeah, I mean... I guess, fortunately or unfortunately, to keep certifications in this business, right? You got to continue to do continuing education classes. And I focus a lot of that on, on things like social security. Uh, I do read a lot about it. Uh, and quite honestly, it's, uh, it's in the news quite a bit, right? Because it's a, it is a major concern for folks that the system will deplete itself or, you know, you had three great questions today. I imagine you had a hundred more in the uh, email lot. box. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this is, this is a topic that really matters to people. And like I said, it's it's. It's, not, it's a major component inside somebody's financial plan. So if you're going to give somebody advice, you need to really understand the system and how it works so that you can give people the best claiming advice.
1: And you're doing a great job with that, Jason. So, Thank you. And, and, uh, no, you're a great resource for us. And again, we're looking forward to seeing you at Retire Meet and doing another one of these. Jason Gentiles, the Director of Financial Planning at Appella. Thank you for being with us here on Talking Real Money. We hope to do it again sometime soon. Yeah, thanks. Look
2: forward to maybe Tom will be around. The, I mean, uh, Donald will be yeah, around Yeah, well, with the other time. guy. Yeah, the yeah, other guy. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, the he's, he's other very guy. busy. Time.
1: We'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> We'd love to take your questions and calls. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com to send all that in. I'm Tom Cock.